I don't know who you are, but welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast. Sit back, relax, and listen about cameras, gear, settings, stories, and all things photography. Join Dermot and Darren on Ireland's Best Photography Podcast. Let's go. And you're very welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast, and it's episode 98, and I'm Darren, I'm your host this evening, and I'm joined, as always, by my compadre in Limerick, Mr. Dermot O'Donovan. Dermot, how are you getting on, buddy? Uh, very good, man. I've never been so happy in my life in the last couple of days ever, because I managed to get a Chinese takeaway today oh, wow. for my dinner. Chicken curry, sweet and sour chicken, fried noodles, fried rice. I mean, I just went to town on Chinese. I couldn't finish it all, but I saved it for tomorrow. So, oh man, it was so good. So good. How, how, how long is it since you had Chinese? Four weeks. Oh, four weeks. Wow. Jesus, yeah. yeah. Did your taste buds know what hit them? Like, Mount of oh, MSG, man. I'd say you had it. It's incredible. My mouth just had a wet dream. Like, you know, it's just, it was brilliant. <laughs> that's brilliant and you know Dermot we're here this evening buddy because it's not just you and me we decided again you know we're still in isolation so let's see how others are getting on in isolation and there's somebody that joining us tonight that I really wanted to speak to for a long period of time and we'll go through the reasons as to why as we go through it so mm-hmm. without further ado I'd like to introduce our guest this evening Mr. Michael Shandlow Michael how are you getting on buddy? I'm doing good how's it going? <laughs> Thanks for having me on appreciate it Thanks for thanks coming, for on, coming on. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, of course. How are you getting on uh, so far with isolation? Are you uh, bored yet? Are you looking any new ideas? Are you working through all the backlog of amazing footage that you have? You know, I haven't been bored yet. I'm definitely. I was upset that. I mean, ever this happened to everyone, but you know, every single travel trip got canceled, um, and that was a bummer because I, I I had my car completely packed and ready to go right as san francisco got put on to lockdown and we were the first city in the u.s to be on lockdown as well um everything was packed i i still have the like the cargo thing on my on my car on the on the roof yeah everything was packed and ready to go and then i got a call from a a friend who said oh yeah we're stuck (laughs) um and that's when the situation got pretty serious over here um yeah i was a little worried at first because most of my jobs are travel photography and video mm-hmm. related yes. and they all got canceled and i said oh boy what am i gonna do for you know work and and whatnot but um i've taken i don't know how long it's been right now it's been a few weeks right has it been three four weeks yeah. something like that yeah i haven't kept it's been four it's been four weeks for us anyway here nearly five so probably oh. around the same if not a bit shorter yeah yeah, I was worried I was going to get bored or not have enough stuff to edit or just not sure what to do with my time. But it's actually been kind of a nice break, to be honest. I have dug mm-hmm. a little bit into my archives and started working on some new video footage. Like I was able to release a new time lapse film today. And to be honest, if I had left on a trip, there's no way I would have spent any time editing yeah. this month. I, it would have been uh, traveling for a month or two. Um, yeah, I've just been working on tutorials and just still keeping up with other photographers and chatting and really it is a, it's a huge bummer not being able to go out and shoot, 
that part really it does suck but i i've been trying to you know there's there's not much we can do besides make the best out of the situation um so whether it be you know learning a new skill in post-processing or working on stuff that i already have i'm, I'm just trying to make the best out of it and stay positive with it you know do you find yourself needless, needlessly scrolling through absolute pure shite online just pure rubbish I just wasting away an hour or two for no apparent reason because I found myself doing that recently. Ah, oh, it's a nuisance. Yeah, that's a tough one. I would recommend against that. <laughs> yeah. If you can, so would I. So would I. <laughs> you can stay on. I would recommend you know be on social media to 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 chat with people and keep up with with friends. But um, oh man, reading the headlines and reading what other people are writing and just the message boards of people arguing is <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not not fun to not fun to look at. I as as soon as this thing started, I saw people were arguing, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to be a part of this part. I'm I'm going to mm. keep my distance from that from that from that element. <laughs> and I suppose what's going on? You know, absolutely, I fully agree with you. It's the right way to be too, because you know if you get trapped up in all this, then basically you're not thinking about yourself, and you know you lose use this time as you said to. Go through your stuff that you've got, you know, edit things, put things together that you normally wouldn't have done. And I suppose, actually, before we even get into those, you know, for anybody that doesn't know who you are, who is Michael Shane Bloom? Tell us a bit about yourself, I suppose, in regards to photography. Oh, uh, I don't know. (laughs) I take pictures and uh, make videos. I like time-lapse a lot. Time-lapse is pretty fun. Aerial, travel. Uh, I don't know how to describe myself. I just take pictures and of cool nature things and city stuff and anything yes. that seems interesting <laughs> to me. <laughs> when did you get your first camera? My first camera that I started using every single day was when I was 14. I got a DSLR. Yeah. It was a Canon Rebel XT. That was an awesome camera, and I brought that yeah. thing everywhere. I brought it like in a backpack to school. Um, but before that, I was given a film camera by my father. Uh, it was an old Minolta film camera, and I did own that, but I just didn't really have the ability to use it that much just because I, I okay. couldn't buy film. So that was technically my first camera, but the first camera that I used on a regular basis was the Canon Rebel XT. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And it was a fun you camera. Know, you've, you, you've obviously learned quite a lot, so because you picked up a camera at a young age and you kind of, you, did you start mainly looking at things around you and saying, okay, oh, I'd like to take a picture of that? Or did you start finding you're being creative right from the get go and taking pictures of different things with the camera? I, you know, I've always been interested in art and creating things, uh, especially at a very early age. So, you know, at first it was doodling and painting and watercolors and Mm -hmm. sketching. And then I got into sculpting and graphic design once I, you know, got a little bit more versed with a, well-versed with a computer. And I would edit pictures from like a really terrible camera i had an old olympus camera that was technically my first camera i guess is this old olympus that my mom gave me and that was a one megapixel camera um, one okay megapixel. yeah wow. yeah we still we have prints from it um that i took when i was in the sixth grade 
and it's prints from New York, and they're one megapixel prints, and they look wow. like they're they're like that big, uh, and they're sitting <laughs> in our living room, and they're pixelated that big. They're only that, that big. Just, and that, was still <laughs> um, that was my next question. That was my next question. But uh, I used that all the time, and I was I had so much fun editing the pictures, and I used a program. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it called Fireworks. It technically. No, I haven't. No. It so so initially, uh, you know how Adobe owns Flash now, right? Uh, Adobe Flash. Yes. Well, initially yeah. there was a, a company that made Flash called Macromedia. And that flash was kind of their, yep, that was their claim to fame. Um, I don't think they exist anymore. I think they were literally bought out by Adobe for flash, but they had another piece of software that was kind of a competitor to Photoshop, but it was not very good fireworks. Um, And that's what I used to edit pictures and I didn't have it at home. We had a few copies of it at my, on my uh, middle school computers, the, the school, like the school computers in the little computer lab area we had we couldn't afford uh they couldn't afford photoshop because it was super expensive for a license so they had a school license for um fireworks and i used to bring these one megapixel camera or one megapixel images to this computer lab and edit them using fireworks using just ridiculous gradients and colors and so that that was actually my first start to in a sense photo processing is just messing with these tiny little files on my middle school computers. <laughs> uh, but you had wow. so much fun doing yeah. it, I'd say. Like. And uh, I know I'm rambling because the initial question was a little different, but... No, but it's all, it's all relevant, you know. It's, it's interesting to know, I suppose, the, from an evolution point of view too, because if we can, I suppose, understand where the basis has come from, then you can see how you would have added on different levels, I suppose, at each step as you would have went on to, on to you know. I really just became obsessed with taking pictures. When I had that DSLR, I I brought it every I would take pictures of everything. It didn't matter what it was. Anything that I found remotely interesting and it could have been the smallest thing like uh, I could have looked at one of the school trash cans and maybe the side of the trash can had a little bit of rust, but that rust had this really intricate texture to it. I'd sit by the trash can and take a picture of the rust on there. Or if a friend was eating food and was laughing, I was like, oh, that's an interesting moment of my friend laughing right there. And I just became obsessed with the process of taking photographs. That's really it. I Mm. I really fell in love with it. It took maybe a week before I was obsessed. And then every single day, almost every single day in high school, I took pictures with that camera. I always had it with me. It didn't matter where I was going. It had to be with me. Do you know what? No, no. Did I think of it? He sounds like the guy from that Kevin Spacey film. Is it beautiful or something? He's following the plastic bag. Do you know that film? What's it called? American Beauty. That's it. <laughs> he's like the dude following the, pla- the plastic bag with the camera. And he's taking pictures and video of it. That's what you were. The way you I were don't mean to sound it, that's that what pretentious. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but I, I, I think it's really interesting because you know you're. You're not seeing things like everybody else would walk by. So, you know, for argument's sake, when we look at the landscape, and, you know, I think we've said it to Jeremy a couple of times on the podcast, that mm. when you are big, a landscape photographer, you look at things differently. You're looking at the sky constantly. You're looking for the light constantly. You're looking to see mm-hmm. where's it going lo- to fall, where can I go, and stuff like that. But then when you start looking at innate objects, but finding something creative and, and beautiful within that, 
then straight away you can see there's an eye there for a photograph and you you know i think you've done a, a good explanation of where it would come from and then obviously seeing what you've created right now up to this point it's interesting to see where it would have started from because you'll find something that everybody else might walk over or walk by and then bang there's something of beauty in there yeah you know i was taking pictures of a lot of different stuff and i guess some of the pictures i were was taking what would be classified as landscape photos, but I wasn't really thinking of it in terms of landscape photography. I was just thinking of it as another form of taking pictures of something, especially growing up in San Diego. It's a beautiful place to be. Uh, you know, it, we have nice beaches. They're very clean. They're very flat. You know, the, we've got palm trees and some deserty type spots, but there's nothing like San Diego's landscapes. They're not super dramatic or epic or you know i mean there are things to photograph there but in in general it's there's you know some interesting rock formations on the beach and then and then there's stuff like two hours out into the desert but i I grew up in a suburb in san diego and we didn't have any of that stuff and i didn't have access to a car to go around places so yeah i was just finding things that I found interesting around my house and around the street and and around the places I could go, you know, like my school. So a lot of it was those smaller scenes of just textures on a wall, trash cans, a little bit of like a a rundown building, you know, the way light changes by reflecting off like a like a glass or or bugs like macro bugs in the backyard I, I was just finding things that i found interesting but at the time i don't think i even knew the i i think i was in a little bit of a bubble where i you know i didn't really have the opportunity to travel to crazy places all the time and and i hadn't you know i hadn't ever like hiked up a craggly mountain peak or or seen all these dramatic landscapes so when that side opened up, when I was able to finally travel and go camp and go backpack, it opened up a whole new world that I didn't think, you know, even I didn't even know that existed when I was a kid taking these pictures. I was kind of in my own little world just looking at what was around me, you know. And I suppose, you know, moving on then from there, right, when you look at the things that you had an eye for and a flair from and moving through your career, I suppose, you know, you've been taking photographs from a young age, but how did you start working then with a number of different companies and different brands and such like that? How did you, how did that evolve into that side of your career, let's just say? That happened in college. Basically, the, the start of it was I was 16 and I wasn't getting a job. Like I applied to places and no one really wanted to hire me. So, I, you know, I, and I needed a little bit of money. So I ended up just starting to take pictures for people you know if if somebody needed senior portraits i would i would offer up taking pictures for you know small fee and then i start that got me into event photography and wedding photography and band photography and action sports and i and i was already kind of earning a little bit of money in photography in high school and then i at that point i said well you know what i think this is a career for me because i really enjoy it and I didn't think I was very good at anything else, to be honest. So I was like, well, you know, I think I found something that <laughs> so was I can do. It was handy you were good with the camera, so yeah. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I think I'm all right at this. I think, uh, you know, I can make it work. So so anyways, I, I kept doing it, and I decided to go to photo school. 
and I went to Brooks Institute in Santa Barbara, which doesn't exist anymore, okay. but it was a it was a really nice photography school for a long time. It was uh, mostly for commercial photography, though. It wasn't for landscape. Like, you didn't go there. If, if you wanted to be a landscape photographer, that was not the place to go. This was for studio portraiture, product photography, a lot of different lighting patterns in studio, um, commercial stuff. And through the time of being at that school, I kind of realized over time... I didn't really like doing that very much. Like I did it and I trained and I learned how to, you know, do that stuff. But uh, I, I spent most of my time outside just doing my own projects in the Santa Barbara mountains and on the coast. And, and I, a lot of the time it would result in me slacking off on my photography projects to do okay. my own photography projects that were landscape. Yes. And all the time I'm training to be this commercial photographer, realizing I don't actually like it that much, I don't really enjoy it, and having this conflict of, well, I like landscape photography, but I'm training to be this type of photographer. And a lot of people are also telling me that it's not a good idea to be a landscape photographer. Um, that that it's there's really no career in that. It's more realistic to, to do the studio stuff and the commercial stuff. And to be honest, it's not like that was bad advice. They, it was, it was mm. advice that came from the right place, you know, because realistically they're right. Landscape photography, it's a really tough career. Uh, it, it's a lot more practical to get into wedding photography, portrait product. This is things that people need on a regular basis. Um, that type of photography yes. doesn't just go away. Whereas landscape photography, it's really, it is pretty hard to, to sell yourself to companies and say, I take pictures of mountains. Do you want them? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah. I guess I got lucky in that the whole time I was, I was doing behind the scenes video projects and little product things and making a little bit of money here and there. I wasn't really happy. And then all the time that I, all the personal time I had was dedicated to shooting time lapse and getting out there and capturing the Milky Way. And it was pretty early where mm -hmm. I think a lot of, I don't think a lot of people realized that it was possible to shoot the Milky Way. This is like 2009, 2010. Um, okay. The time when I would post a Milky Way picture and people thought it was CGI. People don't think it's CGI anymore. They know it's like, oh, you can capture um, um, you can capture the Milky Way with your phone. But at the time, people people didn't even yeah. know that most people did haven't even seen hadn't even seen a picture of the Milky Way with the colors. They didn't even know that was there up in the sky. So um, I got lucky and and I was posting those pictures just for friends and family on social media, Facebook, and and uh, well, Instagram wasn't around at the time. It was mostly Facebook and Flickr. And okay. uh, those pictures started get getting picked up by blogs and news sites like Space.com, The Weather Channel. And so my work started getting outside of the, the realm of social media where people started seeing it. Um, Brilliant. And, and that kind of started leading to some jobs here and there, uh, especially with the videos like the time-lapse videos, uh, those would get really popular as well. People would start asking if I could um, do that same thing for them. Like a company would reach out and say, hey, can, can you shoot a time-lapse for us? Or can you shoot a video for us? Or hey, can we use your Milky Way photo? Can we license it for something? And it was really great for a while. And mm -hmm. I, that started happening while I was at the, end of or at the end of college for me. So I was just about done training as a commercial photographer. Mm -hmm. And I started getting you know, a little bit more popularity online, 
clients started reaching out. There was a little bit of word of mouth. Uh, agencies started catching on, and and I ca- kind of started saying to myself, you know what, I think I think this is possible for a career. I mm-hmm. think I don't have to do these studio shoots that I don't enjoy at all, and and maybe I can make a career out of out of landscape photography. And sure enough, it's just sort of kept going and of course the industry since then that was 2012 or 2013 when I really started getting work it's changed quite a bit in seven eight years it's changed a lot in seven or eight Mm -hmm. years but I'm you know we're still going and hopefully once this whole pandemic is is over there'll be a bigger influx of people needing images and videos and the conferences will come back and you know workshops and whatnot and out of all the brands and, and things that you've worked with and all the showcasing of the images or even projects that you've worked from, from a maybe a landscape point of view or maybe from a time-lapse point of view or even a product point of view, is there a favorite out of all of those just from a creative point of view that you enjoyed making the most? Like with a brand or personal or both? Uh, like f- a brand or personal, whichever. But I guess was brand right now because you've worked with different companies. So they might give you a remit for something to do and you, you do it, but you've really enjoyed to do it because it really found a creative side of you. Or maybe you don't have a favor from those because you may not have enjoyed it because it was commercial. But You know what's funny? I, I there Most of the commercial stuff that I've done, I've really enjoyed because I've kind of set myself up in a position where if somebody reaches out to me, they want me to shoot the types of things that I like shooting usually, you know, because I like shooting time lapse and I like shooting landscape photography and I like shooting cities. And when people see these videos and these photos, they reach out because they want, that's what they want. Um, so I've been very lucky in that to where I'm not, I'm not putting out personal work that I don't like to where mm-hmm. somebody would reach out and be like, Hey, can we use that? You know, that I like everything that I shoot. Um, so when companies reach out, usually they give me, Usually I've gotten a decent amount of creative control to come up with my own shots. And, and it's usually taking, like, for example, like, for, for example, Nikon. Let's take Nikon. So I did some work with Nikon, was it 2018, mostly? Either way, 2018 and I think a little bit of 2019. And they just said, you know, we like your images. Um, we like your photos and we like your time lapses. And we think you'd have fun using our camera. I said, I've never used a Nikon before. And they said, you want to try it out? And then, you know, if you Mm -hmm. like it, we can talk about doing some projects. And I used it, got used to it in about 10 minutes, said, wow, this is a great (laughs) camera. All right, I'm I'm sold. Let's do some stuff. And they just said, we just like what you do. So just make cool stuff. Like they didn't tell me, you have to go (laughs) shoot that. You have to go shoot this. And I think if they did that, I I would probably be less inclined to want to do the project. They just said, just make cool stuff. Like go, you know, we love your stuff above the fog. We love the Milky Way. We love, you know, go go on a trip somewhere and just have fun with it. And um, that's been a lot of projects actually where companies just say, look, you know, if we we give you too much of exactly what we want, we're not going to get, the creativity out you know we're we're just going to get something totally manufactured and um so that's that's been good there there have been a few projects where somebody needs a very specific shot they've hired me to go get it i i give it to them and then that what's done is done but i've been lucky that most of the projects are you know they're they're creative and they a lot of the times when i'm doing the projects they feel they feel personal because i'm putting a lot of work and effort into making them creative and and putting my own spin on on 
the stuff. So, uh, yeah, mm, tough, tough to pinpoint yeah. one specifically, but the Nikon one was fun. That was that was a recent one. Okay, that's very interesting. Yeah, so look, um, we're going to take a very quick break there. We'll be right back to hear more about your amazing story from our guest, Michael Shamebloom, after a word from our sponsors. Are you tired of running out of power at that crucial moment? Do you need to charge two batteries simultaneously or charge on the go while in your car? The award-winning ProCube 2 from Halo has got you covered. Available for Canon, Nikon, Sony and Panasonic. Visit Hanel.ie. And you're very welcome back to the Irish Photography Podcast. And Michael, you know, we were talking in part one in regards to the early part of, um, you know, how you started out in photography. And one of the things that I suppose, you know, I'd like to know more about is something that Dermot actually, and you know what, Dermot, you know, you can ask the question because you've really enjoyed one of the aspects of what Michael has gotten very, very good at over the years. And he mentioned it a moment ago, which is time lapses. So, yeah. Yeah, for me, like I only started doing time lapses back in Jesus, maybe before we went away to Norway in November. So I bought the uh, the Rhino slider, the oh, Traveler nice. Pro, which will fit a, a, a mirrorless camera. So my Canon ESR works in it absolutely perfect. Uh, so I've kind of got that bug to kind of get better time lapse photography. And seeing your videos then is just absolutely just inspirational they're unbelievable where did you get started with time-lapse photography and how did it evolve so the first time i did a time-lapse it was kind of an accident um it wasn't really an accident it, it was it was a it was a very poor solution to a really stupid problem so i really wanted to get i really wanted to make videos in high school but I could not afford a video camera. I did not have any camera that shot video. None of the cameras that I owned shot video at the time. And yeah, was it? Yeah, because at the time, the the Rebel XT and all that, like they, they couldn't shoot video. Um, this is before okay. any sort of DSLR video. And even my cell phone, like the video wasn't good enough. To, like, <laughs> you know, you couldn't even, if you took a picture of your face, it, it would just look like four pixels, you know? <laughs> so uh i really wanted to get started editing videos to music and things and and i realized you know what i could do though a video is essentially just a lot of pictures played back quickly right mm -hmm. it's, it's a bunch yeah. of pictures played back at 24 frames per second so what i did was i started doing slideshows with my camera i would take pictures of things happening um I actually, at the time when I started this, I had moved on from the Canon Rebel XT, and I was using um, a Canon 30D. I think it was 30D, and it was like a camera that was really quick. It was made for action sports, and I was using yeah. that a lot for skateboarding. And so what I would do is I would take these sequences of these skateboarders doing tricks, but and the the camera could shoot like five or six frames per second. And at the time that was really quick. I think it was like five or six frames per second. And I would play that back in kind of like a stop motion, uh, yeah. you know, stop motion look. And I would edit it together mm -hmm. using, I think it was uh, windows movie maker or whatever. And I would have these slideshows of these skateboarders doing tricks set to music. And I would take 
uh, I would take these like sequences of clouds and I would just click the, sh- the shutter every two seconds for like 30 minutes. I, I literally did that where oh I just gosh. stood by the tripod <laughs> wow. and I looked at, you know, and I looked at a timer and I just kept clicking the, the shutter and I made these stop motion videos that essentially were the start of time lapse. That, and that's how I got that's into insane. it is I just wanted that's to start cool. making videos and I thought well you know this would be cool we can show the motion and it's kind of cool stop motiony and I was really into photography yeah. so it it really brought in that photography element um, and it was yeah it was essentially my solution to a problem that obviously that problem isn't doesn't exist anymore you can shoot video on every single device that exists right <laughs> yeah, now yes. um, in high in high quality 4k but at the time, I, I just didn't have the ability to. I could not afford, like, a little... Those camcorders were too expensive at the time. Um, that was the start of it. That was in high school. And then, really, the, the game changer was when the the Canon 5D Mark II came out. Yeah, that was huge. Yeah, and I bought one of those cameras. I saved up all of my money, and I spent it all on that camera. And then I used that camera for everything. I started getting into real time lapses with an actual trigger remote, an intervalometer. I did not know that device. I didn't know that device existed before. And I was just clicking the shutter because I thought that's what you had to do is you just kept clicking the shutter. I didn't realize a device can do that for you. So I bought one of those devices. I started shooting little HD video clips on on my Mark II. And that's really when I got... Um, heavily invested into video and time lapse. I, I was obsessed with motion and editing to, together the videos. In in uh, at the time, I, I I switched over to Adobe Premiere, and uh, yeah, that's really when I got got started with it. Was I get I guess at the time when I took it really serious. Like my first time lapse was probably two thousand six f- or two thousand five. But when I got really into it i would say 2009 is when i started investing a lot of time into it and got serious about it yeah okay so since you started investing a lot of time and effort into it what kind of gear do you use your time lapse photography now would you use a rhino slider or is there other companies are is it syrup is another company that use sliders or something yeah a lot have come out over the years at at the time of when i was um first getting started there were only two um, there was Kessler, and Kessler was really a company for higher-end production houses and teams. Um, you know, their sliders were like five, ten grand. Oh, Jesus. And I couldn't Christ. afford that. Um, but Dynamic Perception, they had this makeshift kind of slider that was, you know, they, they built in, at the time, they built kind of in their garage. It was like a family company, um, very local out in... Ann Arbor. And um, I was doing a commercial for a drink company. It was like a little, like a sort of syrup mixes and whatnot. Um, And we made this little commercial and we ended up buying one of these motorized sliders for these motorized time lapses. And the commercial, you know, the, the, the client ended up paying for the slider for that commercial and then I just, and then I kept it after. So it was a, you know, which, which, <laughs> as you that, do, like, yeah, as you do, like. That, that actually does happen on certain commercial projects. I mean, a lot of the things, if you have to, ex, you know, expense something or it's in the budget, that this is, you know, you're buying this for, 
this yes. project. So, you know, that's what we did. And, and I ended up, I don't think I got, I don't, I, I barely got paid anything for the actual project itself, but most of that went towards buying this little slider from this company. And, um, then I used that same slider, the dynamic perception. It was the dynamic perception stage zero. And I used that for everything. And it was just a piece of metal with a little cart on top. And it was super diff. It was pretty difficult to use. You had to, it didn't have any of the functionality that any of these newer devices have where, you know, these newer devices, you can input where you want the shot to stop and where you want it to start and what the interval is this thing was like this little box with like ones and zeros and numbers and you have to like set it to a certain speed and the way you count how many shots it's going to take is by counting the little teeth on the belt because there's like 300 teeth on the belt so if you did uh if if the if the thing was moving and taking a shot each tooth on the belt meant you were going to take 300 shots it was like crazy calculations that you had to do to run the 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 shots this was that was the first slider i owned and um and also what was funny is there wasn't a way to start or stop the shot it's not going to do that by itself so if you let the motor run it would just keep like as soon as the cart got to the end of the slider it would just keep trying to go until it burnt out the motor and that happened to me one time where i would set myself a timer um if i was shooting a milky way time lapse where in two hours i would have to go check on the slider to make sure that it wasn't close to the end um so that it wouldn't burn out the motor and one time i fell asleep and and i didn't check my timer and then i woke up and the motor had burnt out so it it happened to me um shortly after that they developed little like stopper blocks and whatnot and then the technology came out where you could actually input data into this device telling it the interval and you could keyframe the shot and and it all this new technology just came so quick and made it so easy um so i still use dynamic perception now Uh, i still use their more advanced equipment that they've come out with over the years they've really innovated uh emotimo is another company that i've worked with that has some great stuff and and they've also innovated their their technology a lot um since then other companies have come out like like syrup and rhino i personally haven't used those just because they kind of do the same thing that that the devices i have do Mm -hmm. um and also i've been working with these companies for so many years um just directly that you know they they've been a part of my career for a long time so i've kind of stuck stuck with them i i haven't really tried the i've heard good things about the rhino and the edelchrome and some of these other mm-hmm. devices i just haven't personally used them yet mm-hmm. but i'm sure they're okay. i'm sure they're good too you know mm-hmm. uh, so tell me yeah. this so if i'm setting up for a time lapse time lapse a moving time lapse what's the sweet spot for my settings in my camera is it like 200 of a second is it one second is it two seconds five seconds what's the thing that i really want to be looking for like it really all depends on what you're shooting i mean it's going to be okay. different every single time it, it, it really depends on it de- it your settings all depend on what you're shooting what the subject is if it's the milky way or if it's clouds or if it's people or if it's cars if it's a wide angle shot if it's a telephoto shot are you shooting from a cliff are you shooting from the ground are things moving right past the camera every single variable will tell you what your settings need to be and how you need to set up the shot um oh didn't even think of that yeah it's okay so if i went to these really kind of 
cool clouds that are just kind of melting away into one another. You know, I've seen a lot of your videos. It's just I'm mesmerized by the clouds. I just I just want to watch them all day long. So what's the optimal setting uh, shutter speed for that for those for wide angle? So or is it a secret? Well, it's not a secret, but it gets into <laughs> it. It kind of just expands upon what I had mentioned before, where what type of cloud is it? A you know, are you looking at a slow moving, uh, you know? stratosphere cloud that it, you okay. can't even see it move across the sky you know you have to you have to wait and watch it and it doesn't look like it's even moving or are you shooting fog okay. are you shooting storm clouds rushing through so general rule of thumb the faster or the quicker something is moving the quicker you want your interval to be that's my general rule okay. of thumb. So if something is moving really fast, have your interval interval be really fast. If something is moving really slow, have your inter interval be a lot Long. slower. Um, so you can kind of okay. ask yourself, how fast is that cloud moving? You know, if, if you see it move right in front of you and it's moving really fast, maybe you want to do the shortest or the, uh, yeah, the quickest possible interval. If you can't see okay. the cloud moving, maybe you throw that, you know, maybe you do like a two or three second interval, something like that. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. No problem. Yeah, it's it's all, you know, people, people ask that all the time. For <laughs> photography in general, people just say, hey, what settings do you use for this? Or, or what settings do you use for photography? Or, and I'm like, or what? What's your what lens do you use for photography? It's like I don't know. You everything, <laughs> every every lens, like you know whatever the yeah. settings just change every single time. And don't be very you know, be very it, careful. It just really depends. Be very careful when you say a statement like that to Dermot, right? So you know, just use everything. Then it's like, see, I knew I needed all those twenty five lenses that I have on the shelf <laughs> because Michael said I have to use everything. Do you know what I mean? No, I guess Thanks, I meant like, you know, somebody asked me, um, what's my favorite lens for landscape photography? And I'm like, I don't depends. I don't really have a favorite. I just use the lens that is necessary for the thing that I want to shoot. Because I don't okay. I, I guess I don't have this obsession with gear. I don't care. I really could care less about cameras and lenses and all these things that keep coming out like sure i'll keep buying some of them for some of the features but um i look at these things as tools like a like a painter has their paint brushes i just they're just tools they allow me to do the thing that i want to do i focus solely on the subject and what i want to create uh it doesn't matter what camera i'm using or, or the you know the settings it's all just technical details at that point uh, i just put all the effort into the or I try and put more of the effort into the, the creative aspect. So when I get questions like that, yeah. where somebody's like, what's your favorite lens? I'm just like, I don't, I don't think about lenses that way. You know what I mean? They're just like, yeah, I do you. I need to shoot this telephoto or wide? Or like, do I need a wide aperture? I mean, it, it just, it all is, is it's just Whatever elements you can utilize at the time. creating, yeah, um, yeah. you know. So let's move over to uh, your <laughs> let's move over to your astro side of things. So, in recent years, when uh, Darren first introduced me to you, he he showed me these time lapses that you have, and it wasn't just your normal kind of time lapses of the Golden Gate Bridge or this flaw fog, but you also had astro in it. But not only can you shoot astro time lapses, your astrophotography, as in stills, are just they're mind blowing. Oh, thank you. How even your your pan your panoramas of the 
the big massive one. I think you had a 25 shot one before. And it's just, it's mind blowing. Like, well, thank you. like tell thank me you. a bit more about your portfolio on an Astro side of things. Recently, you know what? I've, I've kind of moved. I still love taking photos of the Milky Way. It's still a part of my career. Um, but I, I have moved a little bit away from it just, just to keep trying new stuff. Um, not to just shoot astrophotography all the time like I did like if you had asked me that same question in uh, 2011 I would say all I shoot is astro I literally <laughs> you know sleep during the day and shoot every single night I was obsessed with shooting the Milky Way back then and, yeah. and it was so much fun and it still is fun but um, I've just tried to move away and, and focus on other genres of, of photography and landscape but um, the most recent night shots i did i the ones i did with gavin were a lot of fun when we were shooting around oregon and exploring and just having a lot of fun just being delirious out in field and we were teaching our (laughs) night sky master class um yes so we were exploring all the different techniques that have been kind of developed over the years and and then that i've learned over the years because when i first started um i was only shooting single exposures of the milky way and they were really really grainy because the cameras just didn't have the technology Mm. like when i first started shooting with the mark ii or even before that i think i shot some of my night sky stuff with uh with one of my other cameras i mean the the picture quality was not not good at all and and so all the astrophotographers back then were constantly looking for various new techniques to reduce the noise and increase the quality. Now you can shoot an image of the night sky with a Sony a7R2 and get an amazing image of the night sky in one single exposure. But back then we were always trying yeah. to find new ways of of getting better quality out of the cameras like stacking and we would do long exposures and the tracker came into place a lot um, for trying to get better quality now i i've relied on that stuff less Uh, a lot of my shots if they can be single exposures i'll just take one shot of the milky way and that's it but you know what one of my favorite ways of of shooting the milky way and getting a little bit more quality is just doing panoramas panoramas is a lot of fun and i don't just mean the like the galactic um band panoramas i mean just even if you wanted to get a a vertical shot of the milky way you could shoot one shot at 14 millimeters and it's going to look great um or it might look great depending on what you shot and your camera (laughs) and whatever (laughs) but if you shoot that same picture at let's say 24 millimeters and instead of doing that vertical 14 mil shot, you did 24 mil horizontal shots and you did one, two, and then three. Oh, yeah. You combine those together and suddenly you have more resolution, thus having a, a slightly cleaner file because you're seeing less of that grain and less of that noise close up as if you had done the single exposure. So a lot of my tactics for reducing noise early on uh, was doing panoramas of the Milky Way. I would shoot vertical panoramas. I would shoot those Milky Way bands. Um, and that was my first technique that I tried to start getting better results with Night Sky was doing these panoramas and also doing long exposures for the foreground. Then got into stacking, which was awesome for, you know, I still do stacking now. The tracker, which I've used a lot less, is, you know, it's a device that basically moves 
at the same rate as as the Earth's rotation, giving mm-hmm. you clean stars yeah. so you can shoot the stars for like five minutes straight and not have any blur in the stars, and then you composite that in with a single shot of the foreground, and you know you get some good results that way. I, I personally haven't brought the tracker out with me in a while. Just uh, I haven't found I've needed those results, but it's it's fun playing around with all the different techniques. I will say, you know night sky photography out of all the forms of out of all the different uh, things that i've explored in landscape photography that one's one of the more technical things that i've done but uh you could still be creative with night sky photography too um yeah i'm trying to think if i have shot night sky any other time besides that time with gavin i think that may have been the last time though that, that i did shoot shoot night sky stuff and you talk about gavin dare now and uh He's a bit of a kind of a YouTube celebrity now at this stage with all his skits and everything. And you recently teamed up with him, like you said, to do the Milky Way. How was that experience spending all that time with him doing all these skits and, and everything and, and, and having to work as a character rather than Michael Chamblum? Gavin's super fun to hang out with. We, we really had fun together. Most, I mean, almost all of the annoyance that we had for each other was obviously manufactured uh and part of this story <laughs> that we told or maybe he was more annoyed with me i i don't it's really tough to piss me off i'm usually a pretty happy person I, I don't really i don't get pissed off easily but um you know it was interesting because i really don't like i really don't like being on camera it took so long to learn how to be even remotely comfortable in front of the camera by doing the, all these tutorials, especially like I'm releasing my time-lapse masterclass and we spent like three years filming that and it wow. was just constantly Whoa. this camera in front of my face and it, oh my gosh, uh, you know, I think I've gotten a little bit used to it, but I'm I'm a pretty introverted person. I'm, I'm very quiet. I'm really shy and that just completely took me out of my comfort zone, um, especially with with Gavin I was really worried when he when he asked me to you know be a part of that I was kind of worried that I wasn't going to be able to be natural in front of the camera or that I would be too nervous or shy to kind of you know make it work but it ended up being really fun the way Mm -hmm. he did it made it made it fun um and and when he would start filming it it was it was always a blast doing those skits. <laughs> yeah. Like we just had such a good time, and half the time we would do the skits and forget about the photography, um, <laughs> which to a certain extent is almost a nice change of pace. Like, Absolutely, yeah. You know, he he kind of taught me. Also, he definitely took me out of my comfort zone with, you know, me. I I definitely felt a little bit uncomfortable with like doing some of the jokes at first, and then I just kind of was like. Let's just do it. You know? Yeah. Let's just yeah. do whatever oh, you want to do, man. It. Like the peanut allergy it. thing, yeah. the this, the that. Like let's. Oh, that was oh, brilliant. That was brilliant. Let's, <laughs> let's just do whatever you want, man. Like you, yeah. you, literally, just any joke you want to do. Let's go for it. Um, he and seems it ended like up being when you came really along fun, with the, you know, he, like when you came along with the red epic, you know that big massive camera yeah. onto the beach. You know that was I nearly keeled over crying with that one. It was absolutely, oh. Yeah, it was one of my favorites. That, Definitely, that one was. You know, I think actually, uh, the I, okay, I could be wrong. I think the idea to push over the red was actually mine. Wow, I need to go back to that. <laughs> I think that was my idea, um, and it, it's my buddy Joe's camera. So, um, what we Did were doing is the whole reason we had the red is because we were filming a commercial 
up the Oregon coast for for a client and Joe he's a professional filmmaker and that's his entire career is you know doing these really beautiful uh, commercial videos for clients and so he owns a red and some lenses and um, what we were doing was we were filming a commercial and then also doing some behind the scenes stuff with the red when we had some time and we were just like oh man there's so much we can do with this right now let's let's like make a joke that I actually got a film crew and a red, you know, a guy with the red yeah. to come out with me. Um, really that, that whole, that whole shoot, that whole trip with Joe, um, that was me also, you know, just wanting to be a filmmaker and be behind the camera. But, <laughs> but we kind of played it off. Like, I, I wonder if anyone actually believed that, that, you know, Oh, I'd say a like, lot of that people was did. true. Oh, I'd say a lot of people <laughs> definitely I, did, you know? <laughs> that like yeah. I invested in in this like film crew to go do you know what honestly if there was a if there was a company that wanted to to partner and like actually put production into the vlog I would say yes the and the reason is I'm really bad at filming myself uh Nick and Gavin and Thomas they're incredible at filming themselves and getting good good content out of that and and just doing it in a in a professional way I am terrible at filming myself and terrible at vlogging. Like I kind of, I think I've, um, I've sort of made it seem like I'm okay at it by adding voiceover and by like working little, you know, working all the mistakes that I've made. But, um, those guys are, you know, that they're so natural and I'm just, you know, do, I'm do you know trying what, my best. Do you know what you need actually? No, right. Just now that I think about it is you need a Greg Snell. You know, you just need a Greg Snell that's going to follow you around, yeah. and get all the footage the whole way through, buttery smooth, and make you look awesome. That would be cool. I there mean, I yeah, I would love to make more. So, I, you know, we've done that with the tutorials. Like, the whole time-lapse tutorial, we had a filmer. Because I can't film myself and then record. Like, we, the whole thing is 12 hours. Wow. Like, I can't. Jesus. I couldn't film myself and work professional audio equipment and, and also, you know, be te trying to teach people how to do, like, set up intricate time lapses before sunrise. Like, if I had done all that, I would have failed every single time. So, we, ha <laughs> yeah. we had a filmer yeah. for that, and he did an amazing job. And so, I, I kind of did say to myself, you know, it would be fun to vlog and do this collaboratively with somebody who's actually filming more. Um, I feel like that would work better for what I do not because I think I deserve somebody to be filming me more just because I'm so bad at it myself like it's it's my <laughs> own fault but I just doing the whole you know holding the camera up and talking into it I'm so bad at it I just can't do it you know anyways yeah that would be awesome though <laughs> yeah, I'd love to do be. do that more have would somebody be, help yeah. out with that stuff and and what are yeah. the thing actually that I realized now that you mentioned it there a second ago is that you know when we had Adam Gibbs on the podcast as well, he said exactly the same thing about Gavin. He said, you know, I wouldn't have done it, but I said, er, sure, yeah, whatever. I'll do whatever you want me to do. You name it. Okay, let's do it. He must have that effect, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam, I mean, Adam, you know, I think for a lot of that, like he just has fun. Gavin's just a fun person to shoot with. Yeah, and, for sure. And, you know, we just joke around and... You know, he's definitely got a more polarizing personality than I do just in general. Like he's he's a little bit more, per, you know, I'm like like I'm the type of person that, you know, I blend into the crowd really easily and I try to go 
I kind of have tried most of my life to go unnoticed, you know? <laughs> yeah, go one way while everyone else is going the other. Like, I, I kind of try and, you know, but I've done that for most of my life just because I, I really don't like be, being the center of attention and I don't, I've always, you know, been uncomfortable with the attention. And so it is very, it's a little, I don't know if you'd call it ironic that now I'm in the position that I'm in. <laughs> but it is ironic. It's just fun. Like with Gavin, it felt natural and it felt comfortable and it, it, it's just so fun. Like I got so excited watching that stuff back. Like I got so excited knowing that the stuff that we shot, I was going to be able to see on YouTube and see how it came out because when we filmed it, it was so fun and so funny. And I knew that Gavin with the timing and with his music, I mean, he just like makes, he he just, everything we shot, you know, I, I don't know how he does it, but, um, he just makes it so funny. Yeah. It's the comedic timing and and the story he's able to build Agreed. through it all. Um, when I record my own vlogs, like half the time I have the footage and I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, I don't know <laughs> if I don't know if this is even of any benefit to anyone. I don't know if anyone's gonna enjoy what I'm saying. I like l- listen to a, a minute or two of me talking and say, like, did I just ramble about nothing? Is anyone? Are people just going to, like, dislike the video? Like, what's this guy talking about? He's not even shooting pictures, you know, delete. Whereas, like, with with him, it just yeah, felt yeah. it just felt fun the whole time. It just felt natural. So I, I'd like do to what, do more of that and have a little bit more comedy in the videos, but um, the videos that I do. But I think I, I need to work with somebody. I can't do it alone, you know? I have the solution for you. I have the solution. Again, in your headphones, just play the doodle-doo-doo. Constantly, and you will have a laugh every step that you go. <laughs> I know. Oh, come here, come man. here. Look, we better go for a quick one more quick break, guys, and uh, we'll come back. And we want to talk more about your video cascade when we come back. All right, so guys, a quick word from our sponsor. Are you sick of double A batteries? An ongoing cost, constantly having to change them. Well, the Modus 360RT and 600RT speedlights are the ones for you. Available for Canon, Nikon, Sony and Fujifilm. It's got an extreme lithium-ion battery with a 1.5 second recycle time. That's four times faster than AA batteries. 600 shots at full power, 1000 at a half. Available now at Hainel.ie. And you're very welcome back to the Irish Photography Podcast, and we still have Michael Shane Bloom with us. And now we're going to ask Michael about uh, a, a video that he made back in 2010 called Cascade. And myself and Darren went down to a place in County Cork called Mullenhassig, and Darren was wearing his waders and wanted to make a replica replica of your video called Cascades with his iPhone in the water. So he wanted to do these kind of slow motion effects. Now, fair play to Darren, he made a, a valid point to uh, go get this, and he did quite well for understandably using an iPhone. But what I want to know is, what did you do to make Cascade, and what was the thought process behind it? Well, the start of it was, I really wanted to get into shooting slow motion video. I thought it would be a lot of fun um, and I had so many ideas of things that I wanted to shoot in slow motion, um, kind of in the same way that I have a lot of ideas I want to explore in time-lapse, 
So I really wanted to shoot slow motion, so I picked up a little camera, um, started shooting some slow motion footage with it, and I realized, you know, water, just, I, I love the Columbia River Gorge. I wanted to do a big trip up there again, um, and I had shot so much photography in there and time-lapse, and I, I realized with waterfalls, you know, you can get a decent waterfall shot through time-lapse, but it's so much more interesting in slow motion. Um, yeah. Because when you're watching a waterfall or when you're watching waterfall in general, not just a waterfall, but watching water, you know, Move. the movement of water, there are so many little patterns that you can't see with your eye. Uh, so, so many. Even the texture of it is just yeah, crazy. So many intricate little patterns and textures and lines and shapes. Um, and that video really allowed me to explore that. Um, almost in macro detail. So a lot of the shots in there mm. were macro. Um, I went to every waterfall I possibly could during a two or three week period. I went to that. I think I went to like 30 water, probably 30 waterfalls Whoa, uh, during wow. that trip um, in Oregon and Southern Washington. And it was just so much fun. And that, that was a video more for fun, like the quality of it. You know, it is 1080p and, and it's a little less, uh, the quality may might be a little less than my time-lapse videos in Ariel, but it was really more of an exploration to see, you know, the creativity and, and just to get familiarized with shooting high frame rates. So yeah, yeah. I did that project and water was my focus and, the, and, and Oregon was, was the main focus of the video. And I just hadn't, seen that done before i'd seen slow motion videos yeah. of you know waves and the ocean and surfing and um snowboarding and i had just never seen waterfalls in one area and i hadn't seen it done in a way that was a little bit more abstract with the underwater footage as well like most people aren't mm. at the time i don't think we're trying to do half above half underwater shots at the waterfalls it, that was more of like a hey go to a tropical beach and do that type of scene so i just thought mm -hmm. it would be fun to explore um since then i've gotten really into slow motion filming with larger cameras so shooting with joe and shooting with the red we did a lot of slow motion footage on the oregon coast so i'm really excited because we're going to release that footage in 4k and that's like you know I think a lot of that we shot uh, 250 frames per second in 4K, and it looks oh, oh, Jesus. so cool. Um, I'm super excited Time for that. Time so, so one of my friends who I met in college um, lives up the street, and he's actually uh, he, he actually is a, another filmmaker, and we go around with, with a red... Um, and have been trying to explore some different projects too. So we've done some pretty cool slow motion footage in Yosemite, uh, in the snow, and and some of that footage will be coming out here soon too. So I have a lot of slow motion footage coming out that I haven't I haven't really shared with anyone. Um, sim in in similar style to that Cascade video, but with a little bit more production quality, I would say. Well, you know what, speaking of similar style to Cascades and, you know, with not as good a production quality was what I had made. So, I mean, look, it was phenomenal. It blew me away with the moment I saw it. It was actually 
a guy called Mally Davis that put me onto it. And, you know, if you don't know Mally Davis, you will know Mally Davis soon because everybody knows Mally Davis. He's the man of the hour these days, you know. But City. City, there you go. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, he turned me on to in regards to it. And I remember at the time sending it on to Dermot and said, Dermot, you know what we're going to do? We're going to watch this and we're going to watch it together. If you remember that, we did it over Skype. Yeah. And it was crazy because the same points that we both reacted at the same point even when it reached the crescendos the difference in regards to the change of the scenes and such like that the shooting of the even the music the music and it's what we speak about the music in a second because what i loved about the videos it wasn't just as you say you know water moving in slow motion it was under the water it was over the water you had mist that was going through the air as well and you'd focused and pulled focus onto the mist and it was like all in sequence with this incredible piece of music and when I said to Dermot I said you know what man I want to try that you want to help me he said yeah yeah okay what do you want to do and I said I want to do it with my phone he went you want to do it with your phone I said well it's the only thing that I have that's going to be waterproof so let's go do it so we went off out and in fairness Dermot did a phenomenal job of being my wingman on the day and really got some great footage as well of me filming it in in the way that I wanted to film it which was dressed head to toe and waterproof so I was basically in the water <laughs> with my phone yeah. um, you know I had around 240 frames per second but when I got back then I got all to put it together I went okay I want to do this and then I went it needs the music and I said you know what I can't really not use the music but I can't use the music ah whatever <laughs> I'm using the music so as David mentioned a second ago it worked perfectly and no it wasn't perfect but it was perfect for what I did on the phone let's just say but it's something that I never thought that I'd give you an example that I'd be you know sitting here looking at you saying Michael that was phenomenal it was one of the first things really that got yeah. me like I said tuned into you and your channel and what you do from a creative point of view but since then time lapse as well as you said has just been absolutely phenomenal so thank you for creative uh, for igniting the creative spark in me for that oh no problem yeah it's you know it's uh i just i just create what i think uh would be fun and hopefully people enjoy it and i've i've been really that's been one of my favorite things to see is uh you know somebody sends me a nice message and and they're like, you know what, looking at one of your images or your time lapse, it really brightened up my day. I was having a bad day. And like I had somebody on Instagram, I think it was two days ago, they were mentioning they were really, they'd been going through a tough patch. They were really depressed. And one of their, the things that they like to do is, is, you know, just check out my images and time lapses and it made them feel a little happier. And that was really special to hear. That I was that yeah. really meant a lot because you know when I first started photography, it w- it was totally all just for me when I started, uh, and it's still to a certain extent. I I shoot photography because it makes me happy. It cures, you know, any any stress that I have in my life, but or well, most of it. But um, but it was it's really it really means a lot that other people you know have that that reaction to some of the things that I. I've created. I mean, it blows my mind every time. Yeah. Yeah, that was brilliant. So, Phenomenal. Thank you for doing it. Of course. So, um, Michael, what I'd love to know is shooting the cascade, right? You had the camera submerged in the water, yeah? How did you do that to get it in the water and then out of the water? Like, what did you, what was the, what equipment did you use? Just underwater housing and, um, yeah, some shots were purely underwater. Some shots were 
the sh- the camera underwater coming out of the water some were the camera out of the water going back in the water um i was playing around with yeah. different techniques for that yeah and did you have it on a slider at any stage under the water or no it was no just yeah it was all handheld but also you know um one of the things to remember well two things is you know one if you're filming in slow motion the slower your motion is the more smooth a pan or a tilt could be um yes so so that is nice that aspect of it um i still tried to be as stable as possible but most of that was handheld and then with the underwater water makes it even slower and more smooth right because when when the camera is going in water it's kind of floating so you're you know you're already on a like a almost like a gimbal at that point when you're filming underwater yes it's so yeah, yeah, smooth yeah. You'd, you wouldn't need any sort of stabilization for for that yeah 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 it and would like i when i'm using my gimbal now on my canon esr or whatever and i try to do you know, uh, slow motion footage i still tend to stick the warp stabilizer on it just in case and like i probably don't even need it but like do you do that as well just out of curiosity or is it just me being over kind of cautious maybe yeah i mean you know a lot of the stuff i film is handheld too uh just with the dslr like a lot of my vlogs i just shoot handheld footage and if there's a little bit of shake i'll apply some warp stabilizer um i've done some motion tracking stuff in after effects that gets a lot more complicated um for certain shots but um and then some shots i guess can just be shaky you know some shots it's like yeah they're supposed to be that that is one thing to to remember is uh not not everything needs to be silky smooth gimbal shot i mean certain certain people film a little with 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 the handheld look to give it uh to give it a certain aesthetic or tell a certain story. So I've kind of embraced that to where if there's a little bit of, if, of camera shake, it's okay. Uh, it just really yeah. depends on what I'm, what I'm trying to film. You know, um, I yeah. do have a gimbal, but I, to be honest, don't bring it around a ton. I, unless okay. I have a very specific video project idea that I want to do, like all the, all the vlog stuff I've done has just been handheld so far. Um, Michael, you know, when we have our guests on the show, right, there's a couple of things that we normally ask them. And one of the things we normally ask our guests is to give us a funny photography story. But, you know, something that I'm thinking about here is maybe if you don't mind, I think we should change it actually with you. Because when you were out and about on the last, (laughs) as you mentioned a couple of times, on the trip there with a certain Mr. Uh, Havin Hardcastle. uh, Oh, sorry, Havin Hardcastle? Maybe Gavin Hardcastle. I'm not quite sure. But, you know... um, you had a number of laughs that were through that. And I'm sure, you know, you probably have something on the opposite side of what we saw on the camera. So how about I change it around? How about you give us some dirt on Mr. Hardcastle? Because, you know, he normally is very good at dishing it on other people. So we'll try and turn the table a bit here on our friend, yeah? Yeah, his, uh, Gavin, well, you know, a lot of what he does is obviously, you know, he's a little bit of a character. But, yeah, definitely the flatulence that he has on the uh, episodes and stuff. None of that's fabricated. That's all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's some real stuff right there. That's uh, <laughs> Especially in my in my vlog when I did the whole sandals bit where we were, like, disposing of his sandals because they 
you know, we were like, oh my god, these are putrid. They've been through swamps and whatnot. Ugh. That fragrance Ugh. was... You could bottle that. If, if somebody wanted to poison somebody else, you could bottle that fragrance from his sandals and just oh put it gosh. in a room with somebody and, and they may... It may actually be a homicide. Uh, if, if that <laughs> it uses a lethal weapon. <laughs> yeah. You know, a, a weapon of mass destruction. Yeah. Oh, that's rotten. <laughs> and and he offered to send those sandals over to you in last week's podcast as well, Dermot. So do you really want I to think that you could I, accept them? Like, uh, No, no, I put a block on the Canadian postage, so there's nothing coming my way. No way, Jose. I think he threw those away. I think uh, that was, that was, yeah, we... I think he even agreed. He was like, yeah, we should probably throw these away. <laughs> he knew. <laughs> Got a new parrot. Uh, what was it? Fred Meyer. <laughs> Fred Meyer. Yeah. What's Fred Meyer? It's like a supermarket. Like a, All right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 All right. So, uh, Michael, my favorite part of the show is called the VSP. For our, all our new listeners that are listening, a VSP is a very solid product. It's something that we give the gold seal of approval. We have tested it. It's not something that's just fabricated. That it's just, uh, oh, I think it's going to be good. It's something that you know is actually really good and that you can't leave home without it or it's your thing that you go to in your camera bag. What is your VSP? Yeah, uh, I would say mine is a roll of gaff tape, black gaff tape. Uh, and this kind of comes more okay. from being in production. Like everyone, if you're sh if you're shooting in a video team, like everyone has gaff tape. You got to have gaff tape. It's, mm. it's going to be your problem solver for almost every scenario. Uh, if you need to tape literally anything, if something breaks, you can gaff tape it up if you need to tape lights because you're shooting night sky you tape up the lights if you need to yeah that pretty much like if you uh even if you don't have a tripod like i one time i was shooting in yosemite and i had a tripod but there was a camera position i wanted i wanted to put my camera in a very specific position for a night sky time lapse and uh the tripod yeah. just wasn't fitting in the right spot so i gaff taped my entire camera to uh, like a ledge area <laughs> i just left Dangerous. it there for and then i taped my intervalometer to a rock too and it stayed there for five hours and then i wow stopped the time lapse took the tape off and yeah so that that would be my recommendation always have a roll of gaff gaff tape. tape with you you never know when you're going to need just a little bit of tape for for a shoot or a project that's awesome. I actually really like that VSP because I like the, the affordable VSPs, not like Mazda's 5D RS or whatever it is. Don't get wrong, I like, love the camera. Yeah, 10 bucks, something like yeah. that. It's not, not expensive. And you can buy it in big bulk too, so works out pretty nice. We'll uh, move over to our next segment. So we had uh, we put out a bit of a mail there privately uh, to a few people that we knew that uh, follow your work. And we asked them to see if they wanted to ask any questions. So there's one girl I know from Mayo. Her name is Mary, right? And she wants to know, have Michael Shamblun ever visited Ireland? I have not, but I would like to, uh, very much so. I have been to Scotland on a trip. I did not make it over to Ireland, though. But I would like to. It is on my list. Okay, brilliant. You better look us up when you get here, so, and we'll show you around. Definitely, definitely. Excellent. Um, another question actually that we got, but it's actually come from a name I think I recognise. It's a, a Mr. Hardcastle, a G. Hardcastle. And he says that you created a great astrophotography course, but you never seem to promote it. 
That's a, that's a very strange question, I think, for us to get. But anyhow, yeah, Michael, yeah, what's the... I don't know what he's talking about. I just when did, wait, wait. When did it? When did this come out? When did he ask this? Oh, I got it around uh, geez, four days ago. I'd say. I've been working. I got. I'm. I'm working on stuff. Well, okay. I'm gonna promote it right here. Everyone, please go check out Gavin and, and my uh, Night Sky Masterclass. You'll learn a ton about nice. filming. What, what am I talking about? Photographing the night sky, all sorts of techniques. <laughs> no, I'm I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Uh, I've I, place, I did like yeah. a tutorial sale, and and we're trying to, you know, I've got I've got some things in the mix. Cool. Mr. Hardcastle cool. will be happy to hear that answer, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Frank wants to know what would be the one thing you would do differently now that you didn't do starting out. Well. Early on, I, I wouldn't have changed anything. I loved like just the exploration of taking pictures and not worrying about it. Um, I think it would be different now with social media because it seems like it's almost at this point a trend or a competition with social media. Like It never felt like that early mm-hmm. on where there was any sort of competitiveness or, you know, if it wasn't like a cool thing to be... It, well, it was cool to me, but it wasn't like a trendy or popular or awesome thing to be a photographer then. Okay. <laughs> you know, now it's like a almost with Instagram and social media, it's almost like you're like a, you know, you can be a photography celebrity and 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 be followed and people think you're yeah, almost like a little mini celebrity and I I don't know, I don't feel like that's healthy that aspect of it. Uh I don't okay. like that aspect very much and i feel like that leads to bad habits if that makes sense mm-hmm. um so i don't know i i maybe fell into it a little bit with like kind of midway through my career where i grew a little bit of an ego um and also like i was being self-conscious about what people were saying on social media like you know i got there was a, a time where my facebook page was really popular and it it would you know, I, I would release a photo and it would reach about 500,000 people. And I got a lot wow. of hate mail during that time when those photos really? were popular. I get a lot of, like, I had people like, your photos suck, you suck. Like, they'd make it personal, too. And I, I kind of, wow. I shouldn't have, don't listen to the negative comments and just create the art for yourself. That's the biggest thing. Create the art for yourself. Um, don't fall into the trap of, uh, you know, getting getting worked up by other people's comments if they don't like your pictures um you know just keep taking pictures keep exploring and i would just the the advice for anyone i would give getting started now with with how popular social media is 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 you can use social media as a tool and be social on it and connect with other people but don't fall into that trap and if the whole reason of yeah. why you're getting started in photography is because you want to gain fame through it. That I think that's the the wrong way to go about it. Like the art should come first, the photography should come first, then this whole social media game can come after if you want to play that game. You know what I mean? I don't think I think it's important for yeah. everyone to like all photographers to kind of embrace a little bit of social media or have an online presence, but um, don't let that consume what you're doing at all i think that's super unhealthy that's a great answer yeah that, that's what i would say because yeah, i fell into it for totally a little bit you. there and 
Yeah. So finally, Eddie wants to know. He says, uh, "It was more, it's not more of a question." He says, "It's more of a congratulations that your Facebook page is at a quarter of a million fans." He just says, "Wants to say congratulations," and that's absolutely amazing. So fair play to you. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. So come here. Can you tell us more about where we can find your work? What's your Facebook handle? Even though you said you don't really like it anymore, and your YouTube channels. Where can we go to find Michael Shane Bloom? Um. Yeah, I have all the things that people like to, you know, all the all the different platforms that people like to do all their social media, media ing. Um, yeah, YouTube, Michael Shane Bloom, uh, Facebook photography page is Shane Bloom Photography. Um, I'm on Instagram okay. too. Uh, I think if you just type my name in to Google, because because uh, I have a really weird name, like m- most. No one besides my family has my last name. So if you type in my last yeah. name, I just show up because, you know. My, yeah, that's cool. That's actually very handy. Yeah, most of my family members don't have social media, so I'm just the only one who shows up, which which works out to my benefit. So if you pop my last yeah. name into Google, you can find literally any of my Facebook or YouTube or my website or all the other social media platforms that I've some of them regrettably created over the years, you know? <laughs> cool, cool, cool. It, it, you're right. It does work in your benefit to have uh, not an odd name, but a different name than, than everyone else. Like you have a, a unique email address. Are you, a Spoonly, exactly his name. You know, it's it's, it's brilliant. So you're, you're a, as an essential uh, identity on your own. So Yeah, it's a, it's it's a weird name. Uh, but I like it. You know, I've had it my entire life. I wouldn't say life, weird. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, wait, actually, just just before we're coming towards the end now, but where did Shane Bloom originate from? Is it an American name? Is it French? Is it Canadian? I don't know. Yeah, it's from my dad, uh, and he's he's from um, Quebec City, Canada. Yeah, and 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 he's also French, so I think it it's a French Canadian name or French name. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, so Michael, thank you very much. I've really, really enjoyed this uh, episode of the podcast. I mean, it's been great to get inside your head to see what makes you tick, how to do time lapses, astrophotography, all that crack, all that jazz. I mean, I've really enjoyed now the last hour and a half talking to you, man. It's been a blessing having you well, on. I really, thank you so yeah, much. I no. really do appreciate it. I really appreciate you guys having me on. This is super fun and... Um you know, I, I had a blast chatting and hopefully, hopefully I didn't ramble too much. Hopefully people weren't no, sitting no, there no, like, man, no, no, is no, he going to get to the point of his answers? <laughs> 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 Sometimes I just Excellent have a story. thought and <laughs> I, I, I start out, you know, I'm like, I'm answering the question and I have a, I have a, a point of where I'm going to end it. And then I just trail off and forget where I was going. <laughs> that's what a typical Irish drunk does so you're grand you didn't do any of that it's all good it's all good 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 to know excellent stuff thanks a million for coming on buddy really do appreciate it awesome no thanks again for having me and uh yeah uh i'm i'm down to do another chat anytime let me know michael it was fantastic yeah thanks a million for everything and yeah for everybody here in ireland to you in san francisco stay safe and uh stay safe Hey guys, if you dig what you're hearing, why don't you jump over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating, and don't forget to share with your friends. With all that done, we'll see you next week, and remember, keep shooting.